while I've been given the task of sharing a couple of thoughts that I have uh, with you guys today, and as a church, we've been uh, going through a series called Relationship Goals, Relationship Goals, and, and so I thought I would take a whole series and put it in 20 minutes, so good luck. <laughs> Hope you brought some notes. Turn to your spouse and to your neighbor and say, this message is for you. This message is for you. So if there's anything offensive in this message right now, remember, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to him or I'm talking to her. And so we're going to get real clear. And I just want to put this as a little bit of a disclaimer that um, to be clear is to be kind. So I might be very clear about some things. It might sound extreme. It might sound a little bit abnormal, but you don't want normal. I promise you, you don't want normal, I don't want normal, and God doesn't want normal because normal is broken, baggage, isolated, and depressed. That's normal. You don't want that. I don't want that. God doesn't want that. God wants His best for your life. And so what we're doing this morning is we're saying, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. And, and Lord, won't you heal me and touch me in places that you need to bring kingdom on earth? Because the kingdom first exists here before we see it materialize out there. So we, our first prayer is let it be in here like as it is in heaven. And so we're going we're gonna to trust God for three things this morning. We don't have a lot of time, two, maybe three hours together still. First time at church, welcome. Get ready. You guys didn't know you had to pack pakos. But we're trusting God for three things this morning. We're going to trust God to heal us from our past, to equip us in our presence, and to prepare us for our future. We're going to trust God to heal us from where we have been, to equip us for where we are right now. I'm facing these real things. I need real tools to overcome what I'm facing. And then help me, Lord, prepare me for the future that is at hand. Our past, our present, and our future. And we're going to do that by saying this prayer. We're going to pray this prayer. We're going to say, we're going to ask ourselves this question. Lord, is this your best for me? And is my life pleasing to you? What that does is you're asking yourself the question, Lord, I'm inviting you to shape me, heal me, mold me, and make me. Is this your best for me? Is this your best for me? Not my best for me. It's two different things. We're going to open up with a prayer and say, Lord, is this your best for me? And is my life pleasing to you? I'm pretty sure the Lord is going to work in one of those three areas of your life. If not all three, uh, I'm more than guessing it'll probably be all three, but maybe one more than the other. Maybe he's doing some healing in your past. Have you ever been in worship and sometimes you're weeping, but you're not sad? It's because sometimes the Lord is healing places you didn't know you needed healing. You just be in the presence of God. That's why we gather like this, because the Lord can do things in moments that, that sometimes we can't get done in a whole lifetime. That's why we gather as a church. And and I want to say, if, you, if you're new to church, if you're new to this whole Christianity and Jesus thing, the Bible says because of their faith, their friend was healed. They, they carry their friend towards Jesus. I want to say, we have some faith for you today. That even as we pray and worship, and maybe you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and, and you, I'm going to give you an opportunity in a, in a couple moments' time to do that, to receive Him. I want to say, we still have faith for you while you're on the journey. For God to heal your past, to equip your presence, and to prepare you for a future. So uh, they say you can take a horse to the water, but you can't make a drink. Oh, you also have good parents. There we go. So I can pray for you. I've got a message to share with you. But you need to open your heart up to the Holy Spirit to do that work in you. And so I want to encourage you today. Don't just listen to me pray as we receive God's word. I want you to ask Jesus to speak to you today about, Lord, is this your best for me? And is my life pleasing to you? Come on, let's pray together as we invite God's word to change us and, and work in us. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your presence. Lord, I thank you that when the king is present, darkness is absent. God, for anyone feeling discouraged or overwhelmed, deferred, Lord, that, 
Lord, I pray that you would encourage them, that you would put your arms around them, that you would affirm that they are children of God. They're the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. God, we are seated in heavenly places, not because of how good we are, but because of how good you are. And I pray today that in these brief moments we share, God, that you would truly do a deep, lasting work in our lives and that we would walk out this place different from the way we came in. And God, you'd receive all the glory in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people said, Amen. Okay, well, we believe church should be enjoyed and not endured. And so we're going to have a good old time today. So whatever relational status you are in right now, single, it's complicated, dating, don't really know, like engaged, married, divorced, whatever your relational status, I believe this is going to be a toolbox to help you live out God's best for your life, a life that's pleasing to Him. You with me this morning? So if you're single, I might give you some, some pickup lines that maybe work for me. Maybe you want to write this down. Because the first thing you need to know is that when Moses came down from the mines, he had the holy glow. So when you leave this auditorium right now, don't run home. You've got this holy glow. So just get the holy smolder. Smolder, you know. I'm, I'm just I'm trying to help some people. Maybe worship with your left hand high and not your right hand high. Because then people know, hey, there's no, come on now. Maybe, gents, you need to walk up to a lady in the connect area after this and just say, hey, baby, you're a 9 out of 10, and I'm the one you're looking for. Oh, that's going to help some people. I'm just, I'm just trying to help some people here today. Ladies, maybe you need to go to the man and start walking around him and say, hey, isn't your name Jericho? If I walk around you, will you fall for me? Oh, you don't? Oh, guys, we're going to have a good old time in church today. The cats are away, and the mice are going to play. Come on, Jesus. Online, this stays between us. Put that in the comments. Cats are, no, I'm joking. Don't put that in the comments. Say, Jesus loves you. Someone needs to see that. But I'm going to help some people today. It's going to be good. We're going to have a great old time. Raise your hand. How many people know that marriage is a blessing when marriage is a blessing? Come on now, raise your hands. Put your hands down. Now, how many people, don't raise your hands now. How many people know that marriage is not a blessing when it's not a blessing? Keep looking forward. Keep looking forward. Come on now, don't even nod your head. I saw some people like that. Just keep that neck muscles. Just keep those over there. The Bible says something similar. I'm so glad the Word of God says this in Exodus. It says in Proverbs 18.22, the man who finds a wife finds a treasure. He receives favor from the Lord. Some wives need to remind their husbands that they are highly favored in Jesus' name. They are so lucky to be with all of this. Come on now. Conversely so, I think the husbands just need to do a little bit of a pick flex. And the board's eight, just let them know. The builders know you saw. Just let they're gonna, you're going to let the ladies know that you are also too highly favored to be with me. Marriage is a blessing when marriage is a blessing, but marriage is not a blessing when marriage is not a blessing. It says that in the Bible too. It says in Proverbs 27, oh, get ready for this, verse 15, a quarrelsome wife is as annoying as a constant dripping on a tap on a rainy day. Come on now. Now don't look up. Whoa, people laughed a bit hard there. We're trying to bring people together. Okay, this isn't a scripture, but it should be one. 1 Dino 4 verse 9 says, It's better to pass a kidney stone than to marry a man who's a self-centered, narcissistic jerk. Can I get an amen? S-B-I-B should be in the Bible. So I'm not picking on one or picking, come on now. I'm not picking on the ladies, not picking on, I'm picking on everyone today. You're all, no one's safe today. So we're going to have a good old time in God's house this morning. I'm so glad that you came to church today. But what my picture I had in my mind when I was praying for you is that today would be a toolbox. And, uh, and you've been trying to repair your house with the wrong tools. I'm hoping God's going to give you some tools today. You can go back home and you can build something new, build something fresh that's going to please God and have His best materialize in your life. So we've got two objectives today, real simple. 
The first is we are going to define what Christian marriage is. What is Christian marriage? And we do need to make a distinction between different kinds of marriage. There's Christian marriage and worldly marriage. And I want to say that we need to make a distinction because they aren't governed by the same terms. Uh, in the world, a marriage is bound by a contract. What's a contract? I'm so glad that you asked. A contract is based on what? Mutual mistrust. And so that's what a contract is. It, it, it protects my rights and limits my responsibilities. That's a contract. Christ, Christian marriage is not a contract. It's not based on mutual mistrust. It's, based, it's a covenant based on mutual commitment. So the, the contract says 50-50 makes a whole. But that's not the equation in the kingdom of God. 50 plus 50 does not equal 100 in the kingdom. One plus one equals one in the kingdom. Half plus half equals one in the world. We are not of this kingdom. We're of another one. And that's why the Bible says we need to be holding Christ. And that's why we need to find our... Com- I don't know what Tom Cruise, you know, he, he, re- he said the most insecure thing ever. You complete me. Now, I don't know why he said that. Maybe because he's short and I don't know what's that like. like you know, I don't know what it's like to be short. Me being 6'3". I know it's deceiving on the stage and stuff, but, you know... I, you complete me is a very insecure statement. But we want to be whole in Christ. So we need to define what is Christian marriage. Because the truth is this. How you define marriage determines how you approach relationships. It determines how I steward before I'm married. And how it determines how I treat my spouse while I'm married. How you define Christian marriage or marriage at all will determine how you approach relationships. Do I save all my hugs and kisses? Or do I give them away? Do I prepare myself for that one big day? Or do I practice on a whole lot of other people? Come on now. It it, it determines how we govern our lives. And as Christians, we've got to know we live distinctly different from the world. Not separate from the world, but different from the world. We're in the world, but we're called to change the world. And so Christianity is based on Christ, and Christian marriage is too. We need to define the difference between Christian marriage and worldly marriage. You know, statistics would show, secular studies show, that actually, that when we uh, uh, live together, even before we married, they say that relational success actually drops. They found that relational success drops. You know why? It says because then you practice uh, being fully entangled but not fully committed. And so you're fully entangled. Like, and it sounds like a good deal. I'm going to be honest with you. It sounds like a pretty good deal because you share the rent, you share the chores, you share the Netflix, and you reap the benefits. I mean, now that's not a bad deal. I'm like, that's a pretty good deal if you ask. If I wasn't, guys, seriously, if I wasn't a Christian, I don't know if I would get married because it just adds a complication. It's a contract. I don't need a contract to be with you. No, it, it surely should be our choice. But Christianity, Christian marriage, is based on something different. Christianity now is no longer just between two partners. It's between two people and the Holy Spirit. It's between the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You thought it was between two. You're like, yeah, no, I, I didn't realize he had so many personalities until after I said, yes, I do. It's between you and him, him and you, and the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So that's actually five of you guys. Quite a lot of people in a crowded room. It's quite a lot of you guys in this marriage. But it's based on something completely different to the world. It's based on the fact that we believe that God has a design that God has a plan, that marriage is God's idea, that we're coming into alignment with His design, and God builds what He designs, and He blesses what He builds. So we find out through God's Word what His design is. Are you with me this morning? 
So redefining that Christian marriage is different from other marriage. It's not 50-50, it's 100-100. So now that we know what Christian marriage is and what Christian marriage is not, I want to ask us and help us today and give us three qualities that we need to become in me before I see in others. Three qualities that we want to develop in me, that I want to develop in me before I see in someone else. Because here's the truth. You don't attract what you want, you attract who you are. Come on now. You ever heard the phrase, suert, suk, suert? Come on now. Birds of a feather flock together. You put a hundred people in a house, people who like a laugh or people who will find people who like a laugh. People who like to whinge and complain. Come on now. We'll find people who like to whinge and complain. Look at this place. What's a dump, you know? <laughs> Look at this place. People who like a drinky will find people who like a drinky. People who like a smoky will find people who like a smoky. <laughs> Come on, they find them quickly. Hey, you got a light? <laughs> yeah. After like an hour, you see no one smoking. You see the guys start twitching. <laughs> oh, no, no, those are my people over there. And you go, they will find a way out of that room. <laughs> because sword, 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 you don't attract what you want. You attract who you are. Andy Stanley is famous for writing this amazing curriculum about love, sex, and dating. And he says, you need to ask yourself the question, are you becoming who you're looking for is looking for? So if you are looking for someone who's kind, generous, loves the Lord, loves dogs, hates cats, come on now, amen. If you're looking for someone that's loving, kind, and, and, and generous, and merciful, and just, just really awesome, then if I'm looking for that person, surely I should be that person because you don't attract what you want. You attract who you are. It's suit, suit, suit. And so it's a very empowering statement to know that I don't need to look for him or her out there. I need to develop him and her in here, and then God takes care of the rest. I remember when I was first uh, eyeing Kelly out, I was like, hey. <laughs> you know, Kelly was just so on mission for Jesus. She didn't even know I existed. I mean, I used to wear pants, believe it or not, that were tighter than this. Like, like you thought, it, no, it gets tighter. It gets tighter. Like, I, Katie was so on fire for Jesus. And, and so I may have or may have not joined the worship team because Katie was on worship team. May have. Sure, I was in the choir. Sure, they didn't get, I never got a mic ever. Not harboring offense by anything, but. And yes, after I asked her out, I did leave the worship team. But you know what? That's not the way to do it. But the Lord has worked it for my good. Amen. But Kelly was so secure in Jesus. So I want to give you three qualities real quick that we're going to develop in me before I expect to see in others. Is that okay? We've got some time left. The first quality that I want to develop in me before I see in others is that I want to be secure in Christ. I want to be secure in Christ. I promise you, you want to be with someone who is secure in Christ. Kelly was seriously secure in Christ. I mean, I, like, she was picking up nothing of what I was putting down. I mean, I was doing all my moves. I, was, I promise you, I was doing all the things. She didn't see any of it. I mean, she was running a thousand miles an hour for Jesus. So I thought maybe I should maybe start walking if she's running so fast just to catch up to her and say, hey, <laughs> could you slow down? <laughs> I was out of breath over here. So I wasn't, my faith wasn't dependent on Kelly's faith, but was inspired by Kelly's faith. She was so secure in Christ that she wasn't looking or needing someone else to complete her. Colossians says this, Colossians chapter 2. It says, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. 
Then your faith will grow strong and in truth, in the truth that you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you are also complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over and uh, uh, head over every ruler and authority. We find our, we are complete in Christ. We are made whole. Remember, the kingdom equation is one plus one equals one. One plus half equals half, because the one will take from the other because they need to be complete from something other than Christ. But when you're holding Jesus. You're whole in Christ. You find your security in Him. You become less needy. This is what happens. Needy people, they're insecure people, need more but settle for less. They need more but settle for less. So instead of waiting for the right one because you need more, I'll settle for anyone. Come on, huh? But that's not God's plan for your life. Secure people need less but demand more. I didn't know I was so passionate about high jump until I met Kelly. Because she set the bar so very high. I, I promise you guys, like she was just not having any of what I was throwing down. I used all my, hey baby, I looked through the book of numbers. I didn't see yours. Can I have it? Like I threw down all that stuff. She wasn't, she wasn't buying any of it. Because she was so secure in Christ. I was the needy one. I was like, hey, what you doing? And why aren't you replying? I can't believe, are you angry with me? Are you mad with me? What you doing now? She's like, I was sleeping. It was 3 o'clock in the morning. Like, I'm like, oh, okay. I just didn't stay awake all night thinking that you hate me. That's fine. But insecure people need more but settle for less. Secure people need less but settle for more. They demand more because they're whole in Christ. You want to be secure in Christ. I have my roots down deep, and I build my life on Him. He's never changing. If the height of a skyscraper is determined by the strength of its foundation, let's build something on a foundation that never moves. Jesus never changes. I want to say that before you say, yeah, that's right, you better be holding Christ. No, 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 I'm developing these qualities in me. And, and if you're not married, I want to say this, that the best precursor to happy, happy and married is single and secure. Like, that's it. You know what they say? They say the worst time to go shopping for groceries is when? When you're hungry, because you will just buy anything. Like I don't even count. Just I don't even get to the checkout. I'm like eating it before. Like oh, sorry, I just found this packet. Like I don't know why. Like never go grocery shopping when you're hungry. I want to say this: when you're feeling insecure, when the enemy's got in your brain, and you're feeling less worthy, and you're feeling like, geez, I just need someone else to complete me. Never go shopping for a guy or a girl, because you will need more but settle for less, and that's not God's best for your life. He's saying, you are a daughter. You are a child of the Most High. I've got great plans for you. Become whole and secure in me because then one can plus another one because God's not going to give you a half because they're not going to be a blessing to you. You're not going to be a blessing to them. One plus one will equal one, a whole integer. You with me this morning? We need to be secure in Christ. The second thing that we want to develop inside of us is that we want to be strong in character. We want to be strong in character. Character cannot be given. Character cannot be forced. Character must be formed. And it's over time. A character is formed over choosing the hard right over the easy no. 
or the hard right of the easy wrong. It's developed over time. It's, it's where you continue to choose integrity when no one else is looking. And you say, I'm going to be developing character. Character is, is given uh, a description in the Bible from a guy named Paul. He's, I said I only have three points, but I didn't tell you how many subpoints I had under those three points. So I didn't lie. They just, I just didn't tell you about the subpoints. So we define what Christian marriage is. We are securing Christ, and now we want to be strong in character. Paul writes to Timothy, says, this is how you build a strong character. These are some attributes of a strong character. 1 Timothy 4, verse 12, it says, But set an example for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. In speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. This is how we build a strong character. The Bible says that you reap what you sow, and out of the abundance of the heart flows the mouth. And so the words that you speak, he says, will fill your own tummy. And so if we're going to start building character, maybe your first step to building or changing your character is by changing the way that you speak about yourself, about others, about life. Changing your words, we believe there's life and death and lie in the power of the tongue. There's power of life and death within the tongue. We believe that you speak life or you speak death, that your words are the bricks that you will use to build the house that you will live in. And so if you're going to change your character, we might need to change the way we speak. We might need to change the way we live. Your conduct, what you say and how you live, there shouldn't be a huge disparity between the two. That's called a lack of integrity. But integrity comes from the word integer. I'm so glad that you asked where that word came from, which means whole. An integer is a whole number. You want to have integrity in your conduct. When you live, what you live is how you speak. That's, you want to be with that person? I want to be with that person. I want to be that person. I want to build a strong character in speech, in conduct, in love. How you love yourself and how you love others, how you love God, in faith and in purity. This is how we build a strong character. Secure in Christ, strong character, and the final point is you want to be planted in community. I promise you, this is what develops a whole strong person. This is who you want to be with, and this is who you want to become. Because you don't attract what you want, you attract who you are. You want to be planted in community. Did you know there's a dirty devil, there's an enemy that doesn't want you to make a good friend? you know why? Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Voices determine choices. And so if you want to change your choices, you need to change the voices. If you need to change your future, you change your friends. That's why he doesn't want you to be part of a small group. That's why he doesn't want you to be part of a team, because he knows that you're going to make good friendships. I have the privilege of, um, you know, being part of um, weddings quite often and standing before the couple and, and, you know, just celebrating that moment, the moment of union. And I say, you know, I always pray it's a high point in the relationship, but I, I always pray that it's not the highest. I pray they see greater heights because of the commitment they're making. And and so uh, before the service, obviously, I get there a little bit earlier, put everyone's nerves at ease. Okay, the doom is here. Okay, that's fine. Thank you. The groom's like usually sweating a little bit over there. Um, if he's a, uh, you know, a good guy, um, he should be sweating. And usually I take a look at, I can tell by the groomsman, by his best men, what kind of counsel he will receive, and by the, by the bridesmaids, what kind of counsel she will receive. And it tells me a lot about what kind of strength they'll have going forward in the marriage. So when I talk to the groomsmen, uh, even yesterday, you know, talking to the guys and saying, hey, how's it, you know, and uh, I just met them, I hadn't met them before, and sort of just got a gist of what they were up to a couple days before this moment. They were standing at the altar, 
and obviously jawling hard, and, 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 they, and I was just thinking to myself, wow, this guy, if you show me your friends or show me your future, it seems like he's going to get some pretty bad advice when he goes through tough times. I met the bridesmaids, and the same, that was my same impression. I just thought, geez, if, are these the guys speaking into their lives when they hit the skids or hit the rocks, and we all do, and think we go through different seasons, are these the people that they're going to fall back on and say, they're going to say, come on now, we can push through. Come on now, let's trust God. Come on now, don't give up. Come on now, let's get some wise counsel. Come on now, we can work in this. It doesn't seem like they were going to be those kind of guys. But just last week, I was doing another wedding of an amazing couple, or two weeks ago, uh, that were in our church that actually got saved while they were dating, realized that this is not God's best for their life, moved out, honored God, stayed pure, and did the whole preparation towards that moment. And then I saw their groomsmen, and I saw her bridal party, and I promise you, I saw strength. I saw encouragement. I saw safety. I, saw, I just saw a settled assurance to thought, wow, the chances of this relational success is come very much higher than what I saw the other time. I thought, wow, they're really surrounding themselves with some good people who can help them through tough times. You want to be secure in Christ. You want to be strong in character. And I promise you, you want to be planted in community. Planted in community. The Bible says this. It says something over here. Planted in community. It says in Proverbs 13, verse 20, it says, The strength, it says, walk with the wise and become wise. A companion of fools suffers harm. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, don't be fooled by those who say such things. What are the such things? Again, you guys are asking great questions. <laughs> just read, it's just on it, you know. To, to interpret the Bible, you don't just read one verse. You've got to read above. You've got to read it below. You've got to get some context. Read just a little bit above that. What pe- these such things that these people were saying was like, there's no tomorrow. There's no resurrection. Jesus is not coming. They were literally saying, Jesus is not coming back. There is no afterlife. Live for today because today's all we have. He says, don't be fooled by such things. Don't be swayed, because we don't live for this side of eternity. We're living for that side. This is just a tent. That's my home. And so he says, don't be swayed by such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. And, you know, I was sharing this with the church um, a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, and a guy came up to me afterwards, and he says, Dino, you know, everything that you said really made a lot of sense to me. But I... And I understand bad company corrupts good character. And I'm not, he's saying, but I'm not the good character. I know I'm the bad company. How do I change? So I say, you get planted in healthy community. He says, well, geez, Dino, if I could tell you all the things that I've done in my lifetime, I would need to be Mother Teresa in this life to make, you know, up for the life that I used to live. He's like, but then to which I just reassured him. I said, listen to me, you've misunderstood the gospel. The gospel doesn't make you better than you were. The gospel makes you new. So if you think that the gospel just makes you better, that means you need to improve on who you were. If you believe the gospel makes you new, you're a brand new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. You've misunderstood what God has done in your life. He's made you new. You get a fresh start to be secure in Christ, to be strong in character and planted in community. You don't need to be that bad company. I thought it was very courageous of him coming to me and saying, actually, I'm the bad company. I've seen, I've given bad advice. I've been the one that swayed people away from serving the Lord. Now, yet I'm at the altar. I've given my heart to God. I'm saying, he hasn't made you better, my friend. He's made you new. And that's the, that's the good news of the gospel. That no matter what you've built on, maybe you're thinking in your life, geez, I haven't built this way. I haven't been secure in Christ or strong in character or planted in community. Today's a great day to start. 
The Bible says every day you've got a brand new mercy that he's given you. He's given you a brand new mercy to start from scratch today. It's the best start ever. I want to be secure in Christ. I'm not going to fall for Dino's pickup lines. I'm going to make sure. That, and I tried. I, 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 I really did my best, my level best. But I needed to be secure in Christ so she could see a one plus a one. I didn't depend on her faith, but I was inspired by her faith to run harder for Jesus. I want to be a spouse that inspires my spouse to run hard for God before looking at it for someone else. You want to be strong in character because when tough times come, and they will come, it's not the talent, it's not the, the, the words, the right words. I promise you it's the strong character that keeps on plodding away in how I speak, how I live, in my faith, my purity. And we want to be planted in community because you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And the team can come up. And, and so as we wrap up this morning, I, had this, I saw this illustration, and I thought it was so helpful. I'll put this over here. I don't know, online you can see this. You can give me a thumbs up online. I can't see that. Also, I just want to say, if this is your first time with us online, please help yourself to anything in the fridge. Um, you're more, we want to just be generous to you right now. Um, we left everything where you wanted it to be, and, and so you're very welcome in our home. Also, just a side note that it's just better in person. Isn't it better in person? Church is a better in person. I'm a, if you couldn't be here today, I'm sorry you couldn't be here. You're invited. Here's your official invite. Come join us in person next week. You never know. If you're single, hello. Come on now, what the Lord brings together. You know, I've got, I got some strategies, okay? I've got some strategies. I think one of the best strategies is actually to, to make some boudoirs at home and then stand by a fan and just let it waft over and see who you attract. I think that's, a, that's not a bad... Have you ever smelled boudoirs rolls? I mean, I mean, that's just a good smell. Keely would have caught me like that. I mean, anyway. Use the holy glow thing. That's going to work for you. That, that's going to be the best way. Or go to a small group, highlight, you know, a lot of your Bible and just lip, like with your Bible open, just be like, mmm. And just like sort of like, mmm. Like, and look how much my highlights. Highlights, highlights, highlights. Worship left hand high. Amen. You've got to let them know. Come on now. Some of you want to change seats because, so don't run away because the Lord might have anyway. I saw this illustration. I thought it just really brings home what we want to achieve. Christian marriage is different from worldly marriage. It's not a contract. It's a covenant. It's not 50-50. It's 100-100. It's not mutual distrust. It's mutual commitment. It's not just two people. It's two people and the Lord right in the middle. That's Christian marriage. That's Christian relationship. And I want to say that the goal of life is not to get married. Can I just say that to someone today? The goal of life is not to get married. It's not like my life starts when I'm married. No, Corinthians tells us the goal of life is to please God. That's the goal of life. So you're not waiting. You might be preparing, but I want to say your goal is not to get married. Your life doesn't start when you do or end when it does. I want to say your life is to please God. We're going to build. We build our lives, I think, with these three blocks. And this is the way the world builds, to build a relationship. The first start with a... Body, yaddy, yaddy. Come on now. Rubber, rubber, ding, ding. Look at the legs on that thing. You know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> Woo! The world builds first on this and lays this down as a foundation for a relationship. Isn't that true? And don't let people tell you looks don't count. Looks count. Not for everything, but for something. Kelly sometimes just looks at me and says, at least you're pretty. She just, at least you're pretty. Looking right into the camera right now. 
And we start like this in the world. And that's our first starting block. And once you get past the physical, then maybe you'll ask yourself the question of the soul. What's the soul? I'm glad you asked. The soul is the mind, will, and emotions. So if you're compatible, compatible with, the, with the physical, with the body, now I just want to find out, are you interested in the same things I'm interested in? And that's, this is my second step to building with the world. And you put this one on top of that. Then the last step, if you ever get to the step, is you ask yourself the question about the spirit. So it first started with the body in the world. Then it, then it goes to the interest of what you're interested in. And if you ever get to the step, you ask yourself, well, what, what do you believe? Because it doesn't need to be the same thing I believe. Maybe it's just the paint on the building. Maybe it's just a different color paint for a different color room. And you add on that one right there. Now, I don't know about you. I'm not a builder, but this doesn't look very sturdy to me. And life happens. I don't know if you know this, but the weather changes in Cape Town. Frequently. How quickly an email comes through, a phone call comes through, things change so quickly. And you've got a rocky foundation and it's all over. Because it was not because you got the the wrong ingredients, you just have the wrong order. It's not because you have the wrong ingredients, it's just because you have the wrong order. This is worldly relationships. This is Christian marriage. Christian marriage starts with, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Is he your king? Because he's my king. And I want to be one plus one equals one, so I start with the premise of who do you follow? Are you whole in him? Because if you're not whole in him, you're going to try and be whole in me, and the only thing you're going to do is make a hole in me. Come on now, that'll preach. That wasn't even in my notes, but I kept that for second service. <laughs> well, I run this back. This is the first, this is the starting blocks. Are you going the same direction I'm going? I'm going for Jesus. I'm loving the Lord. He makes me whole. He's my king. I'm going to give everything for him. And this is a non-negotiable. This is my starting block. And then once you know they love the Lord, you sort of find out what they're interested in. Do you like the things that I like? Do you like CrossFit? Do you support the stormers? Do you love dogs? Hate cats? Amen. Come on now. The mind, the world, the emotions. Do you feel the same way I do about an extra large pizza? Come on now. <laughs> Sharing is caring for other people, but not for us. Can I get an amen when it comes with food? Then you build with the soul. And then in the covenant of marriage, in God's design, you add the body. You add the body. Well, the body almost went flying there. This is how we build relationships as Christians. We start with Jesus, then we get to our soul, then we get to the body. I want you to notice something real quick. My time's running out. That when you get older, <coughs> the body might change. Come on now. When you get older, seasons change. Even some of your likes and dislikes may change. But there's one thing that will never change. There's one thing that we didn't build on things that change. We don't build on things that are here today and gone tomorrow. No, we're building on things that last forever. We're building because this is a tent. Heaven is our home. So we're building on Jesus. We're building on Him. As Christians, this is what we start with. We define Christian marriage differently from other worldly marriage. I want to say this. I want to be secure in Christ. I want to be strong in character. And I want to be planted in community. That's God's best for your life. And that's going to be a life that's going to be pleasing to Him. Come on, can I pray for you today?